How about two years? You got a two-year plan, Ted? Sure might. <laughs> so we're just going to, we're pushing through to the growth this year. Our plan right now for Ted is to get him back onto the podium at Dirty Kanza. DK 2019. Uh, we'd like it to be the top spot, although, you know, with uh, Sagan coming and uh, yeah. and Roberto Gaggioli coming out of retirement <laughs> and... Uh, uh, I'm assuming there's going to be a lot of those 45-year-old pros coming out of retirement to race dirty cons of the set. Well, once they catch wind of the fact that you got this this old man speed. Plus, they can get a belt buckle. I mean, come on. hey oh, Thanks for tuning in, ladies and gentlemen. I am Ted King, your host, as always, here on King of the Ride Podcast. We've got a pretty great episode. Wait a second. I just said your host, as always. Hmm. Yes, I am the voice behind the mic, the traditional host at King of the Ride. But we are mixing things up today, throwing things upside down. I am the guest on today's pod. Let's think back to a very colorful episode number six with my dear friend, a colleague in some weird sense, Jim Marathew, the creative director of Ingamba. That episode took place midsummer last year, 2018, in Portugal, just as we were setting off on their undiscovered paradise trip, which I cannot suggest highly enough. Anyhow... If you caught that pod, you know that Jim is a wisecrack. He is always one step ahead of you with a cheeky remark, and he very much keeps you on your toes. That's raised tenfold if you're sitting down to an hour-long convo with the man. As such, Jim is a creative fellow, and we thought it would make for a really fun time to turn the tables and interview me, which is precisely the theme today, interview the interviewer. Traditionally, in King of the Ride, I try to stay on track, to seek out some insight into what makes people tick, seek some advice or anecdotes from my guest whilst on the road. But in this episode, I get to open up my yapper and shed some light on what it makes my world go around. What it is to be where I am and quite frankly why. Some clerical notes, I misspeak late in the episode when I say that my amazing wife and I both got second at Grinduro. That was the 2018 BWR rather. This conversation took place back in January 2019 along the Coast Ride, where we rode with 300 of our best friends, San Francisco to Los Angeles. That is a great way to log some early season miles. This is the trip that I've done for the past four years, and I think it's an amazing way to start the year. Thecoastride.org. Scotty Whitoff throws an amazing three-day party with that event. Definitely check that one out. This episode is brought to you by the great folks at Strava. It's probably no wonder to you, dear listener, that I'm a huge fan of their platform. Hard to believe that I've been a member since eh, 2009, so a decade now, having caught wind of Strava in the late 2000s by my my version of the six degrees of Kevin Bacon, Mr. Tim Johnson. Strava has great features, of course, wonderful benefits, terrific anecdotal tools. But by now, I believe you know all that. In particular, I want to draw attention to their new podcast. That's right. Strava has a podcast called Athletes Unfiltered. This is their first season of the new pod, and it dives directly into athletes' motivations. I'm a firm believer that everybody has a story to tell, especially people in the athletic community, how they found their sports, overcame a significant and challenging obstacle, or did something truly out there. Athletes Unfiltered digs into these exact things, Give those guys a listen. They're available at every typical podcast spot, iTunes, Spotify, or just go to blog.strava.com slash podcast. 
Folks, I thank you very much for tuning in. If you enjoy this show, if you think there are people like like yourself out there who might enjoy King of the Ride, please just take a few seconds to leave a review, preferably in the five-star range. Hit that subscribe button. That is very powerful. That helps spread the word. Thanks for listening, my dear friends. Please enjoy today's King of the Ride. Podcast. King of the ride, Jim. King of the ride. King of the ride. That's what's really? fun. So it's not a road. It's, no. It's a ride. It's 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 enough to make you have to think. This is why you normally do this kind of introduction thing, because you know the name of your own podcast. But today, mm-hmm. you're being interviewed, and you're in the hot seat as opposed to putting someone else in the hot seat. You've interviewed some unbelievable people in the last... How long have you been doing this podcast now, Ted? May of 2018. May of 2018. This, so besides me, uh-huh. we've interviewed the 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 glorious guy who started Justin's. Yes. Uh, you interviewed the, the autonomous nut butter company, Justin. Interviewed some some world crushing mountain bike ri- racers. World champion Kate Courtney, the lovely Kate Courtney, and some unbelievable road riders. Oh my gosh, so many! Most recently, uh, we saw Alex Howes today we out on the see. road. Yeah. yeah. Who, um, and I got to say, I saw that that Cannondale kit uh, in the photographs, and I was like, "This is horrid." And yes. then on the road today, I was like, "Baja!" I mean, that is one sharp-looking kit. I am I, a fan. I was a little shocked at how big of a fan I was. Yeah, likewise. it could be the fact that Alex Howes looks great and everything. I mean, he is a stylish young man. I mean, that is very true. But uh, I thought the kit on the road looked pretty good, and they were with their little motor scooter. It was all very pro, very mm-hmm. uh, impressive. They're doing a two-week self-imposed camp. That's a lot. That's two, impressive. Wait, so the, just the two of them are? Just the two of them. That was TJ... TJ Van Garderen. TJ Van Garderen and Alex Howe in the, in the basically in the in the woods, in the weeds of uh, central California. We were we were pretty close to Los Olivos or... Los Olivos. Los Olivos. Yeah. Um, um, and they were working hard. I mean, it wasn't like... Cool. I didn't, I didn't and see this what, was a rest day. They said... So he rode up on them and I said... Fellas, good to see you. And it took them aback a tiny bit because they're probably not expecting to see us or myself. Uh, TJ and I, we lived together once upon a time in Italy. No way. Yeah. Wow. Um, I sublet a room from him when he was on HTC High Road and I had just moved to Luca and I needed a place to live. And yeah. In, in lovely Luca. In lovely Luca. And actually, man, we also lived in Boulder together. My goodness, how time flies. Um, so so, so uh, let's get let, let's just skip back just a moment because I okay. as doing my due diligence as a as a journalist or former journalist or once upon a time a hack journalist. I, I think like a doctor once journalist, always a journalist. Exactly. So I I uh, we, I had we had this crazy idea that that what what the podcast king of the road king of the ride needed right. was to king of the ride what king of the ride needed was to um delve into who is this guy doing the interview and who why should we give a living shit mm. that that he's asking these questions to these people like who, you know i mean everybody sort of has their idea who ted king is i mean i think um whether that be people that followed you during the pro tour or people that only followed you after you got uh you know thrown off of the tour de france <laughs> that one year with a broken collarbone mm-hmm, uh mm-hmm. Um, or, or they know you from post that time, the, the, the gravel, the gravel, King gravel, yeah. uh, you have sort of reinvented yourself. Some of the young bucks out there may not remember or even know that you were a pro tour rider for 
What was it? Forty-two seasons or something? Was 40, that- Forty-two short. Thirty-two of those. Yeah, ten years pro. So I've been out of the pro game for ten years, which made me think. Quite recently, sorry, what did I say? I've been out of it for three years, and I was thinking today. Yeah, there are definitely some some these young juniors that we're riding by, and they yeah. just got into cycling a year or two or three ago. Like, yeah, I was thinking about the kid. Know you know, you finished uh, second in the Levi Lifeheimer Fondo, <laughs> but the reason you finished second is you let a young kid, yeah, uh, take the victory. Whose name? I, I, do you remember that uh, young his kid's name? Fails me. But uh, but I he he, he I, would not remember. He wouldn't even remember. He wasn't even old enough to actually have been able to watch TV on his own when you were riding pro, right? Fact. I mean, yeah, and I thought he was like a 21-year-old kid, and I was like, all right, let's 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 shake and bake and have a good finish to this ride. Um, and then in, when they announced that he has won the, the Levi Leipheimer Grand Fondue, they say he's 16 years old. I'm like, great, Scott. Yeah, you definitely have no idea who I am. You're pretty, I'm pretty sure the tubes in your tire that day might have been the same age as that kid, right? Yeah, I mean, you're running 16-year-old Prestis. Uh-huh. Uh, Okay, so uh, being the being the consummate journalist, I I went digging because I think this is what's required for these guys. for these things to be interesting. I need to know something that that you don't know. I know like the big gotcha. I mean, I, you know, I mean, yeah. this is the Oprah Winfrey or you know, uh, I don't want to date myself by naming off the shows I watched as a kid. But but uh, so I so I so I uh, I reached out to your mom. Uh-huh. I reached out to your brother. Uh-huh. I reached out to your beautiful wife. Uh-huh. Uh, I reached out to to. Timmy Dugan, uh-huh. and and basically these people, literally. I mean, I I think I I th- we haven't we've known each other for about four years, and and I I think we've been friends for about a year and a half of that maybe. <laughs> but uh, the you know I I think of you know I think I think I have a little bit of dirt on you. I mean, I, I'm always trying to get you to say something inappropriate. That's my personality type. That's why I'm so good at this podcasting thing. <laughs> but. Literally, these people have no dirt on you. Your mother has no dirt on you. Your wife has no dirt on you. Timmy, I mean, I, I'm confused. Like uh, it, it's it, it's literally like you literally are the Boy Scout that everybody thinks you are. Which is, I was a Cub Scout for a year and a half. And yeah, I found it kind of boring and quit. Yeah, we heard that story actually. That's I did get that story from your mother. Oh my god! But gosh. she didn't say. I mean, I was waiting for her to say, you know, you'd gotten thrown out of the Cub Scouts for setting somebody <laughs> on fire, or you know, some kind of you know, some kind of. Uh, uh, so interestingly enough in the conversations with your mother and I, I have to say, you know, everybody's always like, Oh, your mother's so nice. This is what we're supposed to say. Uh-huh. It turns out that, that mama King literally is one of the nicest people on the planet. Like Facts. we, 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 you will never be as nice as your mother, which may be the only dirt I could dig up on you. Cause I was like talking to your mom and she is so nice. She's amazing. Is it is this true to you? So what I think what I have to do to turn the tables, it's I want to pronounce it Margie, but it's actually it's Margie. Margie. So if you could Margaret. share a, a story that would upset your mother with us about what, the one time she wasn't as nice as you you thought she was. Oh goodness. Um, well, I'm surprised you didn't share the story of ooh, myself. I was with two of my best friends in high school. It was tenth um, grade. It was must have been the spring because my brother was at that point graduating from high school. He was at a prep school up in New Hampshire. Any of this ring a bell yet? She didn't tell you this one. No, she didn't. She didn't. She didn't she well, didn't. as you do when your parents are out of town, um, we are licensed, but you know you take the family uh, minivan for a spin, and uh, man, we drove around a bit, and then we saw some people that 
looks like they should be uh, intimidated and chased by us tough, you know, 10th graders. And in doing some chasing around town, we, we hit another car. Oh, in my mom's minivan. No way. Yes. And mom, mom and dad are out of town. They're up at the graduation, which the next day I'm going to go drive to the graduation in said minivan. And so we had a, uh, what one might call a hit and run. And when you're in 10th grade and you've just had a hit and run, you're like, oh my gosh, 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 oh my gosh. What the heck are we supposed to do right now? Because you didn't say hell. This is the other thing I found out about the Kings. They're not really big on the F-bombs or the, or H-E double hockey sticks. Yeah. They said, oh gosh, golly heck. I, mom doesn't like cursing. I curse a fair amount. So what the hell are we supposed to do? And then, you know, good judgment. Be damned. Be damned. Uh, we, everybody got dropped off, and I drove home, and I live in a very small town, um, and the police officer was driving out of my driveway. And being that we live in a small town, and nobody else is driving around at midnight, I drive around the cul-de-sac where we live and then promptly left because I see a police officer leaving the house. Ah, yes. And so, needless to say, blue lights come on. and uh, uh, the, second, the second hit and run. Yeah. In the driveway. No, thank God not. That'd be great if I hit the cop. So he's like, uh, what, uh, what have you been up to tonight? <laughs> Well, officer, like I was explaining earlier, you know, something goes awry and I just, I, I tell all. Yeah, so, yeah, you, so you didn't try. See, when my, my, my kid brother did the same thing, he just told the officer, I don't know what you're talking about. You got the wrong guy. Yeah, car, but, but That's what was so baffling. Like we were positive that no one had seen us hit, but clearly, you know, the judgment of a 10th grader is just out the window because somebody clearly saw the license plate. And, so is this what scared you straight? I mean, this was your last really run-in with the law as far as we know. I mean, I didn't hear any other stories. Was this the last time that you've... That was the last time I was in a police station, I believe. Um, but it was also kind of funny because the cops just like, uh, why don't you just follow me to the police station instead of like throwing me in the back of the car. So I got to drive mom's slightly dented minivan. To the police station. So no handcuffs. No handcuffs. Oh, that's so disappointing. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, like a lot of the early Ted King stories, another, you know, fizzler where we were hoping for some drama and what we end up with is the guy giving you a slap on the wrist, not even a handcuff slap on the wrist. Yeah, that would have been sweet. So uh, oh, your mom also oh. talks, your mom, your mom talks about, uh, you know, your, your, your early childhood sports. You, uh-huh. The family king was always athletic. Yeah. But it was not bicycling that you started off with. Correct. Tell us, Ted. Um, We, being from New Hampshire, liked our cold weather sports. So the way younger brothers follow their older brothers and the way older brothers probably follow what their parents suggest they do for sports, we did a lot of skiing. Not competitively. We just ski for fun. And a whole lot of ice hockey. So I played hockey and skied from the time that I could stand up, about two years old. And I played hockey through... Through high school, um, coincidentally, my hockey career ended when I broke my arm snowboarding when I was in 11th grade, and the hockey coach was not happy that I did that because we were not supposed to go skiing and snowboarding um, at the risk of injuring oneself. So when I broke my arm, Coach Tufts was not psyched, and I said, you know what, between these two things, playing hockey or skiing, I think I'm going to go do more skiing. So this is New England skiing, of course, at that time, which is yeah. is not that far away from playing hockey. Exactly. Really. Boilerplate ice up <laughs> and down the mountain. It's basically the same activity without the stick. Uh-huh. Yeah. And this is also in a pre-parabolic ski era. So you basically, you know, you, you chatter down the mountain. 
<laughs> That's right. The skis were just straight planks strapped uh -huh. to your legs. Yeah. Yeah. I skied a little of that Vermont quote unquote snow. Fascinating. It's. And the ski day, oddly in Vermont, like, you know, you think about the ski day, even at Tahoe, uh -huh. like first run is at sun up and, and, and last run is, you know, as the sun is setting. But in Vermont, you, you definitely don't want to make the first run. Why is that? Because it's still like four degrees out there, right? Is oh, it? well, it's freaking frigid, and it's not like you're getting first tracks in the powder. Uh, <laughs> the first one down the ice skating rink. So my, the the friends, oh man, great story. So the friends that also were involved in the hit and run with me were also my friends who were involved with uh, when I broke my arm, and it's on camera because this is sort of a, what are those called? Like jackass video era when you're filming oh, everything. Oh, right, 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 right. So I broke my arm with those guys. And then it was great because I have a broken arm. We're at Sugar, uh, Sunday River up in Maine. So it's about a three and a half, four hour drive home. We were just Ooh, day tripping. Right. And I think my friends were not in the best um, state for sobriety. Right, right. So yeah. with a broken arm, I drove the car home. <laughs> Uh, yeah, Once again, to, you weren't drinking, but your friends were, but yeah. you're the one that broke your arm. Yeah, go huh. figure. Go figure. That's I mean, Can we say these people's names? I mean, it seems like that would be the thing to do here. It's like sh a shout out for the two guys. Yeah, I mean, just probably rude, not the best story of them, but are they in yeah. jail now? So no. we don't want to say their name or... Matt and Josh, I, I appreciate you cheering me on as oh, I drove Matt the car Matt and Josh, home. you're the best, you drunken bastards. <laughs> <laughs> Left poor Ted to drive Matt. himself. Matt yeah, I know. Matt is a super, super nice guy. I can Matter of fact, uh, the brief time I know Matt, I can just assume he was the drunk guy in the back yelling at you while you're driving yourself yeah. home with a broken arm. Well, Way to go, Matt. Fun story. He's <laughs> the only person I know who is BYOB onto an airplane. Oh, nice. Because... <laughs> You know, like traveling size booze. Yeah, yeah. He's he's like, well, I could pay five bucks on the plane, or I could buy it cheaper off the plane. Is it le is it legal to bring the well, little funny story? Like one, I've never heard anyone BYOB onto an airplane. Yeah, pro move, really. He's like, you know what? It's not. I mean, it's it's not frowned upon. Like, there's nothing. There's no one nowhere in the bylaws that says <laughs> can't do this. And since that time, I have seen it in print that you're not allowed to bring booze in the plane. Uh. I was wondering if this is a. Yeah, probably Maddie Matt B. probably yeah. Matt probably brought the rule upon himself. Exactly. He had his twenty seventh bottle of booze on the flight and then got a little belligerent. Yeah. Hey, also, if I remember correctly, Matt is one of the few people I've ever seen who can pull off a bow tie like nobody's business. Oh, like a boss. Ah, yeah. Amazing. Amazing. There was there's something about these Squirrel Island slash uh, New England people that they like their bow ties. Is that right? I love Ted? the bow ties. There's mm. a thing about looking uh, preppy yet stylish. Stylish. Yet, Dapper yet not quite nerdy. Nantucket. You got to look ah, a little more. Right. Uh, so there's not raw, a lot of there's rough around lot. the edges. Right. I don't know what that untuck, means. Untuck shirt with your bow tie. Yeah. Flannel. Uh, flannel with, with your bow tie. pink yeah. bow, bow. Okay. So uh, the so we 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 play some hockey. Mm -hmm. We 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 tell the coach to bug off because he's upset that you broke your arm. So you stick with the skiing. And then this this cycling phenomenon thing happens. And it's basically, once again, all because of Robbie, yes, who, who is the, uh, once again, not, this is, he's nowhere near as nice as your mom. So he's, he, I can say he's kind of a, you know, not a as nice, shooter. not as nice well, as your nobody mom. Nobody is as nice as mom. I know. That's what I'm saying. So the, this is the only thing the Kings have going for them is they're, they're not nice based on their mother. Uh, Robbie is riding bikes somehow. He's a couple years older than you are. Yes, sir. And he's also skiing, but in the summer, he's taken to this shaving his legs and... <laughs> <laughs> and wearing spandex. Oh, yeah. man, we got made fun of today by a dude in a car who's like, like, oh, man, 
Anyway, yes. And, and oddly, 25 years later, I mean, not for you, I, you know, 10 years and three years. So 13 years later, for your entire pro career plus your Gravel King time, and you're still on the road getting made fun of for what you wear on uh, participating in your sport. I was, I was entertained more than anything to see how irate this guy was. So we were riding, we're on the coast ride, which I'll preface this in the, the intro to the podcast. We're on a six lane road, three in freeway. one direction, three in the other. It's not even a freeway. This is just, there's a turn lane in the middle at the time, right? Two, right? It's not just three and three. This, yeah. Yeah. So you basically got eight lanes and the car comes upon us and says, excuse me, you, you he's actually kind of polite in the beginning. He says, you're taking up too much of the lane. This is kind of ridiculous. To which I say, sir, there are six lanes and there are no cars. If you can't figure out a way to get your car around us, you probably shouldn't be behind the wheel. That got him fired up. Oh. And that's where, to go full circle, he's like, yeah, well, well, your outfit looks stupid. I'm like, <laughs> well, it's spandex, sir. And then he, oh, he called us hipsters. He's like, do whatever you hipsters want to do. I'm like, but isn't it, I mean, it, hey, the yeah, weird yeah, part yeah. is it's kind of sad. The outfits do look ridiculous. True. It is definitely, I mean... There are stylish cycling kits, I'll say that, but it's definitely function yes. function over form. Like Felocia we, does make stylish. If kits. we if we could if we could dress in a way that made us look better uh-huh. and still have the function, uh-huh. I think most of us would. And I think every I mean every Are you proposing jorts? You know, I mean every cycling, you know, not to make not to point, you know, Giro came out with the new road that was going to be the answer to that it turned out. Yeah. The new road went Not away. Familiar with, I've heard, I'm familiar with the concept. I haven't seen any particular pieces. Nah, I got a whole closet for it. I sh- I'll show you. To Maybe I'll share some product with you. Um, you can't get any more, so it would be at a premium. So you, uh, nice. uh, Sorry. Okay, <laughs> so you start riding bikes with Robbie. Now, your mother does tell me, uh-huh. oddly, uh, during your fledgling years as a cyclist, uh-huh. the, the story goes that Robbie decided that one day the two of you should ride to Grandma's. Oh. Do you remember this? No. Apparently, the very first epic ride, uh-huh. uh, epic coast ride slash dirty Kanza slash, I mean, literally, the, the, the beginning of your epicness is you and Robbie riding to Grandma's. Mom might be she mildly, t- well, okay. She tells me the race report is this. Yeah. Robbie uh-huh. enjoyed the hell out of it. Destroyed You me. were a little confused at why you rode so far. This might explain why. I don't remember that ride because I put it in the back of You've my You've blocked it out. Uh, I remember riding 100 miles with Robbie, my first ever century. I remember it being debilitating for a very long time. Um, yeah, Robbie, <sighs> Robbie turned the screws to me for a good long while. But that's sort of the, the story of siblings and the younger brother chases his older brother, younger sister chases older sibling. But isn't it also like, I mean, the truth of the matter is, Part of the reason that you actually went on to be as good a cyclist you were is because you had a built-in training partner mm-hmm. in the bedroom next door. Did you have separate rooms, you and Robbie? We had separate rooms. Bunk um, beds? No bunk beds. Separate rooms. We were neighbors down the hall. Absolutely. Being siblings means, especially the younger brother, you get hand-me-down bikes, hand-me-down equipment, um, coaching advice. You get to literally just steal his coach. Um at which point, after about a, two months of that, I started working with said coach. Yes. And, yeah. I mean, and the sad part life. about it, or the interesting part about it is, you know, you surpassed the whole cycling thing with Robbie. some point, Robbie uh, injured, or I don't remember. Yeah, we raced. Just, it was cool. We raced. That was my first job out of school. Uh, so we raced domestic professionally on priority health for two years. Yeah. Um, at the end of that, he had the iliac artery endofibrosis. Yeah which is this uh, pretty crappy injury to have that that 
the way I describe it, which is not entirely accurate, but it paints a good picture, the artery in your leg, the big main highway of blood, yeah. lengthens and kinks. So you're only symptomatic when you're riding tempo or threshold. The harder you ride, the worse it gets, and the, the symptoms are your leg is entirely numb. Yeah. So you feel like you're pedaling with one leg if you have that one leg, or literally no, you feel like you're basically paralyzed if you have it in both legs. Oof. Oof. So Robbie had that um, really crappy diagnosis, and he had it treated. And what's wild is even with the treatment, they can't. There's no guaranteed success. Right. So he still felt some symptoms, and he's like, you know, I've raised three years professionally. This is fun, but I'm sort of reaching the end of this fun factor. And Robbie kind of got the good looks in the family too, so it's yeah. really upsetting across the board. And now Robbie has gone on to be a doctor, or about to. He is a couple months shy of doctorhood. Um, he just visited us up in Vermont, which is super cool because he is in the residency interview phase. So he interviewed at University of Vermont. He interviewed at Dartmouth, which is right down the road. Yeah. Um, all throughout New England. He's in California now for some interviews. That's not actually correct. He was in Arizona for interviews, and then he shot up to Death Valley where he's hanging out with a buddy. Yeah. Uh, Colorado well, for interviews. It's a little. It's a, It's it's safe to say that Robbie, um, besides having the nicest mother in all the world, <laughs> is a just an unbelievably sweet yet intelligent and thoughtful individual. Yes, sir. And I think he's still single. Is that not true? Single, looking to mingle. Hello, just uh, red alert out there in podcast land. <laughs> Robbie King. Robbie King. Uh, you proud. can probably find him on the internet. Stalk away. Mm -hmm. uh, Okay, so I'm going to I'm gonna condense the next portion of this into a little thing because what happens is uh, you then go on to start training and you race around New England for a while and then you, blah, 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 and then you go on and you sign a pro contract with, you race for some teams, Liquid Gas and uh, Cannondale and the like. Uh, anybody wants to know what, about Ted's pro career, it's easily Googleable and probably the the most evident part of who, who you were, your identity of who you were for a very long period of time. Fact. Now, you pop out into my life just as all that is coming to an end. Yes, sir. And um, we meet. Uh, and, and In an um, interview. The first time we met yeah, was in an well, interview. a bike ride and in a subsequent and, interview. But it was, on, it was for my publication as opposed to your podcast. So this is a different. But still, same thing. Elemently. Elemently. Element.ly. Please mm -hmm. go. Wonderful. You and the other three people will really enjoy that. There's an interview with Ted King on there that's actually quite delightful. So... Um, <clears throat> And I think you are, you're coming out of your pro contract, and, and I, I say this in the nicest way possible, uh, you spent the majority of your pro career uh, helping others. At the beck and call of whoever distinguished pros. Yes. Yeah. And, and you, come, you come out and you, you're trying to figure out what to do with your life, and somehow you, not that much longer after that, end up at Dirty Kanza. Yeah. Of all things. Yeah. In Kansas. Yeah. And... Uh, you go to Kansas and you kill gravel. You basically ruin gravel for everybody at this point, right? Like you literally went there, crushed the field, became victorious, and then v gravel course died. Nobody's ever heard of it since. But interestingly <laughs> enough, you gravel were shriveled up in one <laughs> yeah, way. Yeah, exactly. Gravel. You were. Sh you, I, I kid because there was actually somebody on the interwebs, you know, out there in interwebs land, who said after you won Dirty Concert that that gravel was now officially dead. That Ted King had killed. I gravel. thought that was you. I, I wish it was me. I still to this day you say it's me, but we actually found it in a Twitter from uh, whoever you are out there. Please send a note there to the bottom at podcast dot net dot net. Uh, but uh, you win Dirty Kaza and you're you're basically shelled and and you call me 
Uh-huh. We we get on the phone and we're texting or whatever whatever the modern thing we were doing at that time, Snapchat or whatever sna- that was. Snapping each other. <laughs> snapping each other. Uh, and you say, you know, the, there's some media attention. Like, it's a thing. Yeah. The, the, you know, your sponsors are happy. People that, that were ready to just ditch the king the king road uh, king ride and um go on are all of a sudden now ted king has won this you know at the time fairly big but it's gotten bigger and bigger every year but at the time it was fairly big thing and your sponsors are happy and the media is asking you questions and you call me say you know what is it you know what is it that i'm going to say and i distinctly just remember hearing in your voice and thinking holy shit it's fun to win yeah right Uh i mean when you won Dirty Conza, you basically the last thing you'd won before that was what? I mean, other than Holy Dooley, uh, I, a cake I probably off, won bake off at the the uh, Marblehead Circuit Race in two thousand nine, which is my first year with Cervelo Test Team. No, that's not correct. Yes, that is correct. First year with Cervelo Test Team, I broke my arm at Tour California in January, and that was my last warm up race before returning to Europe to go like go into the Giro. It's like, yeah, let's do the Marblehead freaking circuit race the actual last race i won was the opening stage of green mountain stage race which is freaking amazing best little race on the planet in vermont we talk about that a lot on this podcast we want you to know oh, if good you get vermont a chance is. to come to vermont to do the marblehead no what is it well marblehead is in massachusetts what's the one you like there the in green vermont? mountain stage race yeah the green mountain yeah. and uh, some of your other pros are also very fond of this race oh my gosh it's it's the best little race on the planet so backtrack yes Hung up the bike in 2015. Said, okay. Uh, Six years after winning your last race. Correct. I was still, you know, you got to like come off that high. Yes. So six year honeymoon of, of winning that race. Yes. And then I start doing this uh, ambassador role in the sport of cycling, which at that point, there's no script to it. It's go to events. It's lead camps. It's go, you know, hang out with the good folks of Ngamba. Generally put in the good word on behalf of sponsors and how awesome cycling is, but, but gravel racing is not yet a thing. I go to an event in, uh, Austin, Texas in March. And that's the first time I meet the venerable, wonderful Rebecca Rush. Ah, Rebecca Rush. The queen of pain, the the queen queen of of Kansas. Um, she has one more dirty Kansas than anybody else on the planet outside of, and we tied with Dan Hughes. And we believe on this podcast, if she had not won a thing, uh-huh. she would still be the queen. Fact. Wonderful gal. So she's like, Ted, what the hell are you doing? You're ambassing, but you know, you're a roadie. And so she gave me a whole boatload of crap. She's like, come on out. Come to Kansas. You're going to have a good time. And, you know, the the, the concept of Dirty Kansas, the idea of Dirty Kansas, it had been swirling in my mind. Um, not that I was going to go there, but like you're familiar with it as a cyclist. There's some crazy bike ride in Kansas, in the same way like Ragbri happens in Iowa. It's Something interesting because, cool. of course, the, the this bicycle meeting is covering it in a way that is almost more like the the covering of these so-called adventure rides, adventure races, is to the point like the because we're because it appears the bicycle industry and the bicycle media and the bicycle people into bicycles now are a little tainted by the, what's happened with the tour and what's happened with the Giro and what's happened with the, you know all these things uh, that have happened you know, in a, in a ne- in negative light have driven the, the interest in these other events way up, I would say. Would you, mm-hmm. would you agree with that? I would agree. And furthermore, if you go to insert blank news.com and you want to read about a bike race in Europe, it's going to have the exact same script. 
right. so-and-so got into a breakaway. The breakaway got up to eight minutes, and then the Peloton decided to ride, and then who knows? Somebody won. Yeah. Either you can basically count the number of people who are going to win a bike race on two hands. Right. The and so the so now the 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 interest in who won is uh-huh. is on equal par as what the what they went through to actually win. Yes. That's the this is the dirty Kanza way, and and also winning at dirty Kanza is like winning in front of your extended family because this is how th- this particular person and you know I got to say like epic rides and some of these other events that are putting on the, this is this is how they 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 want the event, they want the event to be as important as who won it. Is, is I would agree. True? You want the event to be gravitating, mag- magnetizing. You want it to be cool in the uh, in the fact that the people who are reading about the story on a computer screen, they can actually go participate in it too. You're not yeah. going to like read about Perry Nice. Okay, go so Perry you've Nies. done all this blah 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 thing. Okay, let's. I, what I want to know, Ted, I understand that you know you, you're doing your spiel because you know this is your you know you now have the gravel venture <laughs> spiel thing, and I, and you've done a great job on this particular <laughs> podcast of ringing that bell. But seriously, you win Dirty Kanza. Uh huh. You're standing. I was lying you, down. It was very hard. It was hot. It was hard. It was it, it was, was hard. The, you, you, and you had yet to use the aero bars, so it was even harder, yeah. I would think, the first year. <laughs> That's why I cut two hours off my time. Because you killed aero bars for gravel too, Ked. But we're not going to talk about that now. You, you're rules. standing. You're standing in Kansas, uh-huh. which is not the Champs Elysees. It's close, but you're right. Well, I mean, Commercial Street in downtown Emporia. I mean, the thing is, as a child, as a young man, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, yeah, I have to say, as a young man, you you got in the pro tour with this with the idea that wouldn't that be just the icing on the cake to win a stage of a grand tour or to whatever that is, mm-hmm. you know, like this is the not not that that was what you were going for, and it, and it it was not the role that you played as a pro. So now you're. Th- 30 at that point yeah mm, 32 you're 32 years old you've raced 10 years as a pro you 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 had that guy do the thing with the straw where it's been spelled out let ted ride <laughs> it was very upsetting That's right for everybody he, he killed strava spelling things but uh <laughs> one more thing ted killed but the but you know you're standing you're standing at the finish line number one in kansas yeah. like what what a I mean what a treat right I mean tell us I mean we're out the blah blah about the you know the blah blah you're you're now a winner mm-hmm. and and you've won this this event twice mm-hmm. the first time the first time was 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 an unbelievable moment for me from a personal standpoint I think for you from a personal standpoint the second time you of course you couldn't keep any air in your tires and we feel bad about that yeah and the third time you went on to win again with aero bars with with air, you killed aero bars and with a pretty at that point, a stacked field. Yes. Uh, it is growing in repute. It's growing in the number of pros showing up. I think 2019 is going to be that. Yeah, you're you're never going to win this race again, by the way, because the kids are all coming. Hey, hey, all the freaking kids. But let's not I, okay. I, let's not focus on that now. We're, we're going to get to that in a minute. Stay on topic. You yeah. win Dirty Kanza. Uh-huh. You haven't won anything since 2009. Uh-huh. You certainly haven't won anything. I mean, not that that win in 2009 wasn't prestigious. It was but magnificent. magnificent. But but this changed the direction of everything you did since then. Oh, man. that There is some truth to that. There's a lot of truth to that. Uh, hanging out in, in Emporia, Kansas, as this is happening, none of that is ringing in my mind. I'm not anticip- I'm not thinking about that. I'm not thinking about the future. I'm thinking about like, where's my burrito? Where's my margarita? Because there's a wonderful Mexican joint in town. Uh, I thought it was, I thought it was everything that's right about 
cycling, to be honest. I mean, like you finish up and instead of, you know, getting a, a check three months later from the UCI or whatever, because you had to wait for it for <sighs> tax purposes. Yeah. Well, tax purposes. And they're also making sure that, you know, so-and-so didn't get popped for doping. Uh, ah. It, I mean, you know, you're racing for a belt buckle, which is super cool. And everybody there is excited about looking at your equipment and pinching your tires and asking you, you know, what, how did you hydrate? Um, it was, I don't know. It was freaking awesome. It, it, it there's something very, uh, I don't know, tangible for the masses about Dirty Kanza. And I know that that's something I was just harping on, but like, that's what... It's I'm okay to cry, Ted. I mean, I, I mean this is what this tissues? podcast is about. Uh, we here at King of the Ride uh, so, like to get sentimental. No, no. And and oddly, I mean, I have to say, I think everybody, anybody who listens to this podcast, as you know, everyone always asks me, like, what does Ted do? And, you know, you were saying you're an ambassador for the brand, you're an ambassador for gravel, you're, you, you're, 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 you know, you get into your thing where you start talking about all that. But these, these, these sponsors, and I, I got to say Cannondale first and foremost, because they're a big, big supporter of the Ted King going way, way back. They stood, they stood in there and said, yes, this, I mean, not only for you, mm -hmm. but for gravel, they're like, okay, this is a thing. And now we have this guy who's like the, the king of gravel. So, you know, you couldn't pick up a bicycle magazine for six months without seeing some photo of you from Kansas. I mean, yeah, bananas, like banana cakes, banana cakes. Uh, so, uh, you know, I mean, this it was is perfect at the time. Like it, I feel like that was the advent of the industry getting behind gravel. That was when Canada had the slate, which is a, you know, it's a Franken bike. It's a, it's a road bike, cyclocross bike with an inch of travel. Uh, huge clearances allowed. That's awesome. Oh, that's it? right. You rode the slate to victory in the very first yeah. dirty concept. And I would say, I mean, I would, I, I mean, this may be hyperbolic, but I love that word. I think, yes, and it's a good one, isn't it? Uh -huh. Hyperbolic. Yeah. Uh, I would say that gravel for a lot of that would not have, had it been Joe Smith who won dirty cons of that year. Uh-huh. The the tension to, to to gravel was as equally important to to dirty cons as it was to you. I mean, is that yeah. would you say that's true? I mean, I would think. I mean, I would have been stoked if Joe Smith won that year. I know Joe was so fast he that had a year. Good year. The thing with it, but he was cheating with those error bars. I mean, that was a <laughs> damn shame. Okay, by the so uh, so we fast forward now. Okay. Um, just a little bit. We, we we're, we're running out of time, so we got to get to the questions. Well, we got to get to dinner at some well, we point. Get to dinner also. Yeah. So we're gonna go to questions in just a minute. But I. So uh -huh. Dirty Kanza, it's been three years. Uh -huh. You you won once, you lost once, you won again. The mm -hmm. field is stacked, mm -hmm. but and you're now um, being called on as an ambassador for gravel from one of the country to the other. I mean, I you know you, you the list of people that want Ted King to show up, and you're getting kind of a little long in the tooth. I mean, you're I mean you're looking a little paunchy. You got some facial. <laughs> thing going on if how long do you think he can play this thing off hey 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 well much like all endurance athletes you you endurance athletes cheese and wine and you get better with age uh especially these longer events where you don't need so much pop you just need some good long diesel power um being that i was a domestique and i i honed my diesel and lost any bit of pop that i had through my world tour days i think gravel's got it's got some time in these legs um, so yeah, it's a, it's a freaking amazing place to be where events left, right, and center saying, Hey, Ted, you want to come to this event? Like I'm, I'm excited to go travel internationally. I'm going to Iceland this July for the first time to do the rift 
Go into Epic 150, where I raced the 86-mile race, not the 150-mile race. Nice. That's in Missouri. Yes. Steamboat Springs. Steamboat Springs, S-B-T-G-R-V-L. Sold out, so don't bother to look that up, but they're doing good things in Steamboat Stay Springs. Stay tuned. They might... You know, there could be a slot in there if you... There might be you a know, slot there's or two. Some, there's some secret news they have coming up, I guess. Yeah. Well, so... Uh, what about... You? I mean, you and I, we've been roommates, we've been office mates, we've been... Uh, interview mates. We are also tent mates. Yeah, yeah. I was well. This was the funny part. I, I, I didn't. I don't know how far to go in this because we talked about this tent thing once before on the podcast. You had me on, but uh, I, I think the important part for the audience to understand is all of the things that I know about Ted King. Um, there are two kinds of people who live in Vermont. Uh-huh. There are the people that go to Middlebury to go to college, uh-huh. and then there are the people that go out in the outback and slaughter animals. Ted. <laughs> Ted is the softer variety of those two, uh, although he has we've we've tended together once, uh-huh. uh, and actually we stayed in a hotel. We invited our friend Tony in the room, and there was there was only um, one pull-out sofa and one bed, and so there was I slept on the floor the first night, oh, and great. it was miserable. And I told Ted that if he didn't win uh, the next the the event the the, the, uh, the Grinduro Grinduro the next day that he would be sleeping on the floor and I would be sleeping on the bed. Sadly. For me, it was just not a very good bet. <laughs> Ted got the bed, I got the floor. He is, he's a, he's a, he's a consummate professional. But if we uh, took away anything from that weekend, it's camping in a hotel room is freaking badass. Yeah, the camping in the hotel room is a lot better. You're, you're actually headed to the Great White North to some the Antarctica or something to do some yeah. fatty bike thing with some people where you'll actually be sleeping in a tent sleep where you have tent. to have a gun. Yep. Because gun flares, polar bears. Ah, that's right. To be eaten by a polar bear, and I think that is a. I think if there's a way for the Ted King story to end on a high note, the eaten by a polar bear might be the way to go, Ted. I'm just saying. <laughs> uh, so I have two more questions before we move on to the readers' questions, okay. uh, which will be a speed round. First question is: Is there a chance? Uh, knowing that the pros are coming over to do your event at Dirty Cons, uh, you're, you're basically going to be. Uh, you're basically going to be. In a in a in with a I, I don't I mean I'm assuming everybody's going to be on aero bars so hopefully the pros are just oh, as good. Maybe that's how they can handicap time it. Trial. Be like ah the pros can't the use pros them. Ah. if you are paid to ride a under bike. 26. I mean we got to yeah. set an age limit for the right. pro thing because you know we we still consider pro. No aero bars. No aero bars. Yeah. Uh, we'll see if they institute that rule. Is there a chance that you're going to sign a contract? I'm assuming with EF Draypack to ride Roubaix. In, in 2020. Well, I mean, you'd think that they'd be knocking on my door once they saw that second DK win. Yeah. Take you th- I mean, I'm waiting, I'm waiting for that uh. that phone call from JV. Um, JV, I know that you're listening to the podcast. JV's yeah. a big fan of the podcast. Big time what, listener. Wh- do you need the digits? Do we need to give you the number to call? Because, I mean, it's not that hard to get it. You know, let us know. Hit us in the comments. Hit us up. And not only that, but we're not afraid to, to wear the new kit, are we? I mean... Well... I would have Velocio make a real nice kit. Oh, that's right, Velocio. Velocio stood by you through thick and thin, too. Oh These gosh. people are... are uh, New England design, Italian-made. I mean, you see the models they're using on their website, and you don't really fit that form factor anymore, but they still... If you look closely, there's a decapitated Ted King in the model. Ah, yeah. well, there you go. You just look for the guy who has, like, the, the funny... Uh, How much uh, Photoshop he, work do you think they had going oh, on? Oh, a lot. Okay. He's bringing the waist and stretch yeah. out the shoulders. Uh, and I think the other thing is, so... Um, you know, you started your own video series, yeah. your vlog or uh, the we Grode call it a to Kansas. The Grode to Kansas. I don't like the word vlog, even though it's very similar to the word Grode, but yeah, the Grode to Kansas. Okay. So the Grode to Kansas, if you haven't seen it, you should, you should hunt it's that link definitely down. Definitely legit. 
head over so, to YouTube and look up Ted King Grode to Kansas. Then that would be G R O A D S. No, Grode. No, Grode. Grode. There's no S. There's no S. It's Grode, Grode to Kansas. Look it up. It's um, it's the start of a very interesting uh, run up towards Dirty Cons of all things, which yes, must be your key event for t 2019. Is that true? And that's the marquee event for the year. Do you have a backup event for the? You know, I was listening to all these you know, bicycle podcasts. Apparently, you know, if things go awry, you're supposed to have a backup event so that you don't spend your entire year being disappointed. That's I, a good plan. I'm assuming it's Tuscany uh, Donkey Week within Gamba. Tuscany Donkey Week, uh, June 23rd to 29th. That's going to be that is. Definitely tipping the scales. If, That's, you, if you want to, if you want to visit Tuscany and you want to ride with Ted King mm -hmm. and you want to and you want to hang out with Jim, that Chianti would be Classico, uh, White Roads. We'll do skids. We'll do all kinds of crazy things. Freaking amazing time. The donkeys. Uh, if you can't make that, of course, we're, that's in Gamba.pro. As mm -hmm. I p pimp my day job. Is there mm -hmm. another sponsor we should shout out to at the moment? Uh, Who did we miss? Well, all related. These I mean, I love my new Roca glasses. Your new Roca glasses. Yeah, 2019. Wait, you just picked up Roca. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so did Ngamba, oddly. We're going to use Roca. Uh, American-based company, uh, direct-to-consumers. They they are making, uh, uh, I mean, I, um, I, I'm boom. working on picking out which one is my style. You know, I'm not a very attractive man, so it's hard for me. But I have to say the optics, pretty impressive. Freaking amazing. The the uh, lightness yeah. has impressed me. When yeah. I'm taking them off my, my face, I'm like, Great, Scott. I feel like these weigh next to nothing. So when you pull them away from your pock helmet, uh -huh. <laughs> they weigh next to nothing. There you go. That's all we're going to do with that. Uh, we're going to move on to the speed round of questions from the from the uh, from the from the mass audience outside. Speed round. Uh, 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 Wait, so time this out. is a really give me some rules. I like rules. Does speed round mean I need to answer immediately? Are we doing like no, boom, no. boom, I boom, think, boom, boom? I think the thing is, is uh, we we want to be thoughtful. So okay. be as thoughtful as you can, as concise as you can. How's Noted. that? Uh, the first question comes from a roadie on a budget. Loves the gravel, gravel looks super awesome. He likes what you're doing. And this is really interesting because uh, he wants to know gravel bike or hardtail MTB. And, uh, you know, you did win mm -hmm. uh, Grindura, which is not really a gravel race. Mm-hmm. On a hardtail mountain bike. Now, mm -hmm. I was privy to hang out with that hardtail mountain bike in my room. It's not really a hardtail mountain bike. It's more like some kind of weird helium-filled rocket ship. What is that thing called again, Ted? Freaking well said. That is a Cannondale FSI. Oh, Much like a pair of Roka glasses, it is so freaking light. Not since my Super V have I lusted after a Cannondale. Oh, well, it wow. is such an un... Super V oh, 500. God, I, I had with that. The yellow, with the yellow spring coil. Uh-huh. Uh, the this this hardtail mountain bike one Granduro for you. Fact. Interestingly enough, didn't hold you back on the on the road uh, time trial section, but nope, really played quick. out beautifully on the actual single track. Um, well, roadie on a budget, I would say that the Cannondale Topstone is um, it's currently an entry level gravel bike in that the price point is spot on. Comes with a dropper post and it's specked out real nice. Uh, I, I would highly recommend that. Cannondale really, really hit the hit all of the proper points on that bike. Seriously, yes. like uh, some of the other companies, I think struggled uh, to hit all of the proper bottom bracket height, wheel tire clearance. The, uh, and Cannondale really, I think, and true adventure machine. I don't like the word adventure, but I'm going to go with it here. Uh, there are so many 
are they called brazons? There's so many locations on which yeah, to water add bottles, uh, water bottles. Fenders. I mean, not just your typical two. It's impressive. You can put a lot of water bottles in that machine to go, to go for a crazy ride. Uh, Speed round. Question two. What will? What will? This is right into that. What will? What will you be riding? Uh, they're asking for for um, steamboat. What bike will you ride at Steamboat? And I think that goes really well with what bike are you riding this year at Dirty Kanza? Um, Steamboat, I think we're going to have to play a game of wait and see. TBD. DK. Might have okay, s- I, saw your, I saw your vlog, or I'm sorry, we're not calling it that. Yeah. I saw your Grode. Uh, you should wear longer shorts. Um, you, you, we went to your bike room, which was, you know, uh, that was three different I rooms. That the, I noticed that Laura King, the greatest woman in the world, uh, as all Cannondale now, there was not a single non-Cannondale bike in the bike room, which I got, you know, that's impressive. Yeah. Uh, she went like, I think what, two minutes well, ago. Once, once you know, that was the first time she rode a Cannondale is when she and I started hanging out. And then she realized that Cannondale is the best of all bicycles. And she she jumped she ship from wisely, all her other ones. She wisely dumped all that. And let me tell you, she was riding a lot of crap. I agree. Uh, so uh, you don't know what you're going to ride in Steamboat, but what is your what? If you had to go, someone said, you know, you got to go ride 100 miles of gravel tomorrow. You go out to the bike room. What mm-hmm. bike are you? What bike are you putting air in the tires? I would grab the same bike that I'm riding uh, the coast ride on, which is Cannondale Super X. This is a this is the same bike that Stephen High just won. Uh, the U.S. National Cyclocross Championships on. It has huge tire clearance. Um, I'm riding the Coast Ride on 44C Compass Tires Slicks, but they they are plush and they are fast, and the bike is a dream. And then even can, people that don't like Cannondale, who people who have or or who are don't exist, or or are are you know fans of a different brand, whatever that might be, mm-hmm. have come out to say this Super X is paja. Right, it is it's the, freaking dreamy. It is the cat's pajamas. It is. It is uh, totally accepting of all tire widths, not all, but a huge variety, so that it's fast on the road, it's fast off road. Uh, you know, if pit. I understand it correctly, Ted, get me if I'm wrong, but I'm, I'm pretty sure that Elementally is going to get a Super X in for review, like momentarily. Oh, yeah, that's what I heard. I the, had the, nothing to do with that. I think right I after they listened that, to this podcast, oh, yes. wink, wink, Sorry. nudge, nudge. Got it. Uh, yes. Okay, what was your very first bike, and did it have training wheels? Great question. Uh, coincidentally, the first bike was also a Cannondale. Um, that's that's not entirely correct. My first road bike was a Cannondale. My first mountain bike was a Cannondale. My first cyclocross bike was a Cannondale. I purchased all these bicycles. Uh, this is back in late high school, college days. CAD. Back in the CAD days. Back in the CAD days. Um, my recollection of my first bicycle was it had, it was gray and black. It was a hand-me-down for my brother. It was a tiny little BMX bike. We weren't BMX racing. It was just like the bike that you would ride out to your buddy's house, out to the gross uh, convenience store to buy some soda pop and penny candy. Uh, that's the only things I really remember. Training wheels. Mm, I probably had training wheels once upon a time. But did you skin your knee, Ted, as a young man? Oh my gosh. Did you ever, did you ever build a wooden ramp? Yeah. Did you? <laughs> Are you kidding? With, of a, course. Bl- with a brick? Yeah. Yeah, or a cinder block? No, just uh, uh, plywood. Yeah, and usually logs. Ah, log because you're from New England. Yeah, we and don't have. Brick. You launch yourself off of that thing many, many times. Yep. We used to go out to the pier in Shops, Traverse City, Michigan, pegs. and we would tie our bikes to the to the tie outs for the boats. Uh-huh. We'd build a ramp, and then it was like eight 
10 feet to the water and we would ramp off yeah. into the water and then we'd pull the bike back out of the water with the rope that was tied to the back chainstay. That's freaking brilliant. Yeah, I, I, I pretty much spent a couple of nice days in the hospital with huge stitches in my foot. Supposed to be, probably should wear shoes. Probably uh, wear shoes. That's not a like little tip for the kids. Something you can do for one month. Uh, of the year. Describe a Ted King workday if such a thing exists. Hey, 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 you wanted this to be short? Well, I'll say, so let's just say uh, you're at home. Uh-huh. You wake up. Uh-huh. Of course, you, you, uh, uh, this ties into the next one. How often do you take a day off the bike? Mm, once or twice per week. And this time of year, which is, we're still in the winter. Yeah. Because I'm skiing, I'm uh, alpine touring, which is like skin up, ski down. Nordic skiing. Taking uh, Nordic ski lessons. Do it. Take Nordic ski lessons from a, a Division One ski coach. Whose name is? Andrew Gardner. Hi, Andrew. Who is a co-owner in Untap. Super nice guy. Um. <sighs> Let's make this wholesome. And then fat biking. You're fat biking. A lot of fat biking. A lot of fat love biking. That. There are so many events back home in Vermont on a weekly basis. So there's Tuesday night and Thursday night AT skiing. Go out to Bolton. There's uh, some evening ski. Okay, what the people really want to know, Ted? We yeah. all know Vermont's the greatest place <laughs> on the planet. You've made that quite clear. Well, Ted, what the, what the audience that. wants to know is, you get up in the morning, you're mm-hmm. not going to go for a bike ride because it's your day off. Mm-hmm. You, you make some pancakes, put some untapped maple on there, and then what, you sit around and watch TV all day? You well, watch tapes like a football player? I mean, what, no. what, do, you, do, you, do you go out there and like day adjust off? your aero bars? A day off the bike is a wonderful thing because it allows me to catch up on everything I've missed from the hours of 2 p.m. through 8 p.m. when I'm working the previous day. Uh, I handle a, uh, within the partnership at Untapped, of which I'm a co-owner, I I handle all, virtually all the marketing. So talking to teams, talking to individuals, uh, we're also you know trying to get into shops. I do a great deal of that. Uh, I mean, shoot, you send untapped.cc, hello at untapped.cc an email. There's a very good chance that I'm replying to that because I'm doing a whole lot of customer service. It is water soluble. Maple syrup is water soluble, which Rex found out today when he spilled it all over himself. And, and me, mind you. Well, he said and it was a fast I, pa- spray. I passed it on to Lamb in the car and he got it all over him. So Untap has basically crossed the entire crew today. Super happy with That's it. That's outstanding. Luckily it's water soluble. So you're you, you so you're so you so you wake up, you take care of Untapped. You gotta take care of the social channel, you make a few calls, you you deal Bingo. with the you deal with the orders that are coming in. You're basically it's a, it's a very small operation, and you're integrally involved in that. Correct. Plus, uh, you have to. Plus, you have uh, obligations to your sponsors. Accurate. Which includes everything you just said. So, some social posting, some planning, shop visits. Um, uh, I'm my own travel agent. So, when I mean, there's a whole lot of travel going on, and trying to orchestrate all that. Um, it's talking to the gym and saying, "Hey, I should probably go to an Ingamba trip." And you say, hey, you should probably go to this one. And then we go back and forth and back and forth. And then we talk to the, the big boss, Jay Wow. Jay Wow. We get things shot down until well, they're go to picked Europe. back up again. And yeah. then we decide where we're going to go. And um, th- th- it's interesting because I was listening to somebody else's podcast. Accident. Are there other podcasts? Pretty, I, was, I think it was an accident. It might have been a television show. But they were talking about, <laughs> you know, it does not matter if you finished top five in... Dirty Kanza or in uh, uh, an epic ride race or in an Arizona series mountain bike race or 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 if you have not in, embraced the idea that you are you, that your personality your social channels your is is part of as part of the play then 
then you, you're going to have a tough time of it. You think that's true, Ted? So you're saying this podcast was saying if you are purely hyper competitive and not trying to play the bigger game. Well, I mean, I would say, I don't know about the, I don't, I don't want to say play the bigger game because truthfully, you know, um, part of the responsibility of any athlete is to, is to the people who love the sport. Mm-hmm. I believe you can't just win a race and then say, you know, fudge off, you know, <laughs> like I'm not doing an interview. I don't care about you. I mean, I think you can, uh-huh. but, but, but your value then to, you know, I mean, yeah. they, they talk about it's Peter Sagan. Who I was just about to it. say that I was going to say playing the game. I didn't mean to be crass about that. Peter Sagan plays the game really well. He does a great job of winning a race, doing it artfully and beautifully, and then having a really good time afterwards. And, and not, not with the media, but with the fans. Totally. I mean, he, that dude, he can take down a billowing barrier in Adelaide with the best of them with his, oh, with his goggles on. That's so good. Oh, that so was a riot. Good. Um, which is another question here. Let's just move on to that. What is the craziest thing you ever saw Sagan do during this? Um, that's a twofer. Uh, I still go back to an early training camp that we were doing in the white roads of Tuscany, Chianti, and we're we're leading up to the spring classics. We have a training camp in this neck of the woods. We just ripped a really hard section of road because we're getting ready for the, you know, cobbled roads of Belgium and going to train in Belgium just sounds tedious. Um, the group is regrouping. We start going up this strappo, a short, steep pitch. And most of us are, you know, breathing through every orifice and bleeding out of our ears. And it's so freaking hard. And Peter goes by us um, and pulls a wheelie. And so he's riding a wheelie uphill. And then he pulls one hand off the bars. And that's very impressive. And then he pulls two hands off the bars. So we're going up a super steep pitch, which is gravel road. Everybody is fucked. And Peter is just going by us like like a circus <laughs> no bear. Handed. Yeah. No handed on the on a wheelie. He is born to ride a bike. He the bike is an extension of his body. Peter purely has fun on the bike. And and aside from his personality, I mean, I, I, lo- I love the guy. Uh-huh. Watching him ha- ride a bike, you understand that he, he he loves that fact, right? This is the he he is not working. He is enjoying the shit out of himself, which is amazing. Totes. Okay, um, let's. Yeah. I just want to back up one second. You're, part of your job, as you see it, is to embrace all things social media. I try. No, I shouldn't say I try. I uh, I try and to do it organically. So, which is Snapchat, the catchphrase I of 20, gotten, yeah. 2019, right? Organically, which is interesting well, to moving me. Moving to Vermont, everything's organic. Yeah, but I mean, the interesting thing is. You know, organically would be a term used by someone like myself who runs a marketing department. We need to do that organically, which is... Okay, which well, is, let me define it for me then. It means I got on Facebook when Facebook was like this weird thing. You wouldn't even call it an app. It was it was a... What do you call it then? Social, social media channel. Social, they wouldn't have called it then. No, uh, what did we call this it? This is the year 2003. Right, right. Facebook then was a way to hit on the girl in your Spanish class who you didn't have the guts to talk to. Right. And right. so that was a way to reach out. And this is like pre poke area era. Um, Strava, same deal. Strava was recommended to me by the good Dr. Tim Johnson. Um, Strava started in New Hampshire. I'm from New Hampshire. He's like, Hey, check out this weird mapping thing. And I, you know, that's why I have user number like 400 actually it's 4,000, but they're still, so close. Yeah, I know. If you only pressed the button like four seconds earlier, you would have been so, Okay. 
I get all that. The truth of the matter is, the reason that you can actually do something organically Uh is because you like riding Cannondale bikes. Is that true? That seems like an extrapolated question. I'm just saying, I'm saying organically means it's kind of like somebody sends you a box of soap. Yeah. Right. And as an influencer, you're supposed to open the box of soap, take a picture and go, oh my God, I love this soap. No, a good social media maven would not do the box reveal. Oh, right. That said, I do love soap. Because that's not organic. Exactly. Oh, my God. No, that would cross into authentic rather than organic. <laughs> I thought we were friends. I hate you now. Um, <laughs> How many times do you do a box <laughs> reveal? I hate you so much. I just got new soap. I got new soap. Look at this. Uh, okay. Literally, the number of questions came in is like mind-numbing. Are we, how are we doing on time, Ted? We have infinity time. However... Does anybody feel like we've actually like embraced? Ask or, a couple. Does anybody more. know Ted a little better now? Are you going to dinner? Is it possible some... to get into shape riding a trainer? Aye, that is a tough one. I can yes. answer this for you, Ted. I can answer this. Yes, it is. Don't do it. Yes, it is. No, it's not actually. I've literally Go been riding nothing but the also. trainer in preparation for the coast ride because I've had no time. I've I've done all of the workouts on thing. I've listened to all of the. the you did a lot. Sport. Of I did a lot. I did due a, diligence on I did the, a lot on the indoor training. I literally. I literally. Eight. Well, you did the whole 30 followed by the... Yeah, yeah. I did, I did it all wrong, but I did it all one. at the same time. Uh-huh. I suggest you listen to every conceivable training, coaching thing that you can and basically screw yourself up so bad that you're never going to get fit. I think that's or take the Ted's advice. idea. Ted's advice. Cupcakes are good. Carrots are better. Yes. The end. Well said. I was going to say, I think, you know, there's so many fad diets and there's so many... Uh, yeah, let's get keto. It's like, give me a friggin' break. Don't be keto. Jump on any bandwagon, eat paleo, eat gluten-free, eat keto, but cycle it in such a way that you do those things for one week because it's going to mess you up and then I, go back to a normal diet, but just eat less if you want to yeah, lose weight. I think the thing is that, I mean, the, I mean, it's true the, the losing weight while trying to get fit is really where the issue comes in. If you're going to do a four-hour ride, either indoor or outdoor, oh, don't you got to have some carbs. I mean, you can't, you yes. can't do, you exactly. cannot do it on a handful of almonds and a and a and an egg white omelet. I mean, it's just not going to work out that well for you. You need, you got to fuel the ride. Yes, eat carbohydrates. Um, to answer the question, yes, you can get fit riding a trainer, but I highly recommend doing other things because presumably you're riding the trainer in the cold winter months, and so therefore there's opportunity to do other things like. Go to the gym if you live in a city and you can't go out for long periods of time. And I think all things in moderation. If you have so if do you, an if, hour of yeah, jumping if, jacks. If, but if things go horrible outside, it's pouring down rain, uh-huh. and you're going to ride the trainer. The, the the key to remember is th- there are a lot of now companies that are pushing the idea you should do three or four workouts indoors year round. Yeah, because it's much more exercise specific and you have more control and blah, blah, blah. And those people are not friends of mine. I don't ever want to be friends with them. Like, please go outside and ride your bike. I'm just saying, uh, why are East coast IPAs better than West coast IPAs? Uh, You and I have talked about this off air. Um, because they're, they're better. Um, I don't know what they're doing in the recipe because these people have seven months out of the year in the dark cold. (laughs) (laughs) They have access to better hops. I don't know. There's there's a distinct difference in an East Coast IPA versus a West Coast IPA in that West Coast, to me, tastes quite a bit pinier, thicker, uh, danker 
is a good word for it. Um, so the East Coast I think is a the answer lighter. to the question is just everybody knows. Ted has moved to Vermont. No, everything in Vermont is better. It's okay, Ted. I understand. I totally, get, I totally get the three hour sun. Uh, sun is definitely better. I'm than getting my the vitamin D three hours a day. But uh, East Coast IPAs. Moving are on. Your brother beverage. wants to know, and as the rest of your family wants to, your wife's the only one that's not asked this question. I, I as your friend, have asked you this question. What exactly will you be doing in ten years, Ted? <laughs> says Robbie. Uh. That is a great question. My my take on things is that things happen serendipitously. And much like becoming a professional bike racer in 2006, which was my first year out of college, that was completely, un, not completely, it was 98% unplanned. It was either go pursue this, this degree in economics or take this small risk and go race a bike. I'm going to go take that risk. And that paid out in spades. The same thing happened when the opportunity came to race for Savella Test Team and go to Europe. It's like, ah, shoot, that sounds crazy. Let's go do that. Two years later, do you want to go race with a crazy bunch of Italians? Yeah, why the heck not? Let's go learn some Italian. I mean, shoot, that's the Japanese guy ending up on the Yankees. Yeah. Like, that is a culture shock. So, where will I be in 10 years? I don't know. Ask me in 9.99999 years. How about two years? You got a two-year plan, Ted? Sure might. <laughs> so we're just going to, we're pushing through to the road this year. Our plan right now for Ted is to get him back onto the podium at Dirty Kanza. DK 2019. Uh, we'd like it to be the top spot. Although, you know, with uh, Sagan coming and, uh, yeah. and Roberto Gaggioli coming out of retirement <laughs> and, uh, uh, I, I'm assuming there's going to be a lot of those 45 year old pros coming out of retirement to race 30 cons of the set. You think well, once they catch wind of the fact that you got this, this old man speed, plus they can get a belt buckle. I mean, come on. Well, uh, maybe. most maybe. Aw- awe-inspiring ride you've ever done and why? And I would say, let's not go with most. What was the, what's the nicest awe-inspiring ride you've done recently, Ted, other than uh, all that great fat bike tire stuff you're. Oh, that was going to be my answer. Well, because you said recently and I've been doing a lot of fat biking. Um, nobody likes it. Okay. I rode a fat bike up Whiteface the other day. Oh, I saw that. That was awesome. Uh, this is access road goes to the top of Whiteface Mountain in uh, the Adirondacks, New York. Absolutely stunning. That was awe inspiring because it was beautiful. Um, I don't know. When was the last time you and I went for a bike ride? Because that was the answer. This morning? I, I saw you for a good 25 minutes this morning. This I mean, morning. Actually, I was back there for a while. It was this a lovely was ride this morning. Ride. The first part of the coast ride, this ride, this one was nice. Actually, I would say the first day, I don't know. Yesterday it rained, which was kind of a bummer. Yeah. But uh, but we've had, uh, you know, some pretty good luck. No crashes. Everybody's gotten in their minds. Here's what makes a good ride. You want good scenery. You want a good road. You want to have good people. And ideally have a good coffee stop. But I got to ride with my wife one of my very good friends in Joao Correa, one of my very good friends in Jim Marathew. Tony mean, Little was out there, Tony P. Scaroni. That's right. Like, it was, a, it was a who's who. Plus, you're out there BFF with the former fest. pros. You got Manuel Cardoso and mm-hmm. Andre Cardoso, super nice guys. The big Lummox Arrows Pulley yelling at you. <laughs> Running to EF, Education First, ah, pros, yeah, TJ yeah. Van Garder and Alex House. Today was awesome. And actually, you know, this is the thing about bicycle riding, right? The idea to say the place is important. I always say, yeah, you know, it's nice to ride in Spain. I love riding in Tuscany. The truth of the matter is if I'm with two, three, four you know, really nice people who are in the same frame of mind as I am. They just want to, they want to enjoy the ride that that is what they're doing. It makes every, I mean, like it's every day could be a great ride. Boom. Road tubeless, nay, yay or nay. Absolutely. Uh, 
If you could have, oh, we already touched on that one. So I said Robay because I thought it was hilarious because I find myself funny. But if you could go back and ride one ride, one one race as a pro, I mean, other than the tour uh, for two the stages, would, would you like to go two stages this the, time? You think the tour would be wonderful? I would love to uh, do that one again. Um, Robay is funny because the first time I hit Arnberg Forest was in. Perry Bay in the race. So, like I was saying, uh, Belgium is not the most scenic place to race. Uh, sorry, to train. France the same that time of year. We on Liquid Gas did not prioritize those spring classics. This is yeah. like the early days of Peter being Peter. Um, so, like we would wing it, and then there I am at freaking fifty-five k an hour hitting Arnberg Forest, being like, "Oh, sweet Jesus! I wish I knew this was coming." Anyway. That'd yeah. be a good one. It came well, at you. Well, I did it four times, so yeah. by then I learned a thing or two, and that's a brutal race. You mean it's actually it's actually as brutal as they make it look on TV? Twice. Twice as. It'll be sweet bike. Sorry. It'll be a sweet race to ride a Super X on. That's, that's the thing. Everybody's riding the wrong bikes. Yeah. Well, they don't really have a lot of choice in that matter. The... The we've ridden across Thanks, we, you and I together have ridden across some Portuguese cobble, and everyone's like, "Oh, this is what cobble's like." I'm like, "No, that's <laughs> silk. That is silk <laughs> in comparison to the roads of Roubaix, right?" I mean, it's it is, and you throw a little water on there, maybe yeah. some mud and yeah. some crazy fans. It's square peg round hole. It's every bike racer, and you have 100 and what 189 bike racers because somebody forgot to sign in or whatever. Um, all trying to make a name for themselves, and it is gnarly and it is fun as heck and it is terrifying and yeah and it's it's also interesting because the the field the race almost always becomes a race at some section right uh -huh. like all of a sudden there's 10 guys or 20 guys up the road and everybody else is like just wanting the bike to stay upright yeah until they can actually reach is that true i mean it looks there's a lot of truth to that i mean it's yeah the the there's I mean, certain nationalities the, yeah. that are not going to perform well. I mean, like, uh, I mean, it's less so now, but... What but, about the... I mean, the French, you would think, would be one of those, but then we just had uh, Bardet, right? Or uh, who finished second in Roubaix this year? Why am I saying it? Wasn't it a French guy? It was. Well, so they're... Sorry, this is not really a cycling podcast, so I can't really... <laughs> anyway, let's move on. That's a great question. Uh, who did get second? Now I'm going to Google it. God damn it. Ted, tell us, tell us uh, what, what other use, your favorite other use for maple syrup other than breakfast? Um, man, it's at this point that I always wish that I could verbatim explain the line that uh, uh, Vince Vaughn says in Wedding Crashers. Anyway, it's good in my hair. It's good in my cereal. It's good in my pancakes. Um, maple syrup is good in a water bottle, diluted, or you could just get untapped maple aid. Um... I like to bake with maple syrup. I have, okay, baking is my secret talent, although not so secret because I seem to be telling people that a lot. Uh, you can remove white sugar or brown sugar for that matter and use maple syrup. It adds a wonderfully uh, thicker, unctuous, more more robust flavor to it. Uh, it's good in coffee because it's water-soluble. Jim's favorite noteworthy characteristic of maple syrup is it's immediately dissolved and, and works well in coffee. It's good in savory items like barbecue sauce. You can marinate with it. It's good. All in right, fine. Uh, okay. That didn't answer the question, Ted. What is the one thing other than breakfast? You, if someone said, "Make me something with maple," mm -hmm. 
I mean, I'm assuming it's going to be one of your Maple Manhattans, but that's just my oh, personal. Oh, yeah. Play. I mean, that I, didn't even come to mind. Yeah, what? It's cocktails. Oh, my God. I, I didn't Who say cocktails. Second? I said a Maple Manhattan, Ted. You're yeah. giving the sales pitch. We want to know. You're the, at home. Someone says, make me something with yeah. maple. Okay. You Stick take to the question, please. Two ounces of good uh, bourbon. Oh, okay. You're going to tell us the recipe. Yeah. Is this the thing you would make me if I said I wanted Absolutely. something? Okay. I got a shaker. I got, I got the ice. I got okay. all the tools. All right. Two ounces of good bourbon. Um, one ounce maple syrup, one half ounce of dry vermouth, uh, a couple shakes of a, of bitters. Shake that up with ice. Pour it straight up, and then add a cherry, a spiced cherry. Mm, spiced cherry. That is the that is the ticket. This might be a little off topic, Ted, but are you drinking organic uh, tart cherry juice? As no, this is part of the new. <laughs> part of the, have you seen this? This is like the. Oh, yeah. Now that I need to like pull it off, pull off. Pull you, out all you, the strings, whatever they say. Do you tape your mouth shut at night so you breathe through your nose? This is another big thing that's happening all over the internet. Just what does saying. that do? Apparently, it causes you to be a nose breather, thus you get better oxygen while you sleep. What? Yeah, I'm just saying. Google it, everybody. Get what out there. And this is this is news you can use. One nostril. Well, yeah, I think that would be. I th <laughs> well, that's probably why people can't actually do that because okay. the one nostril is already. Anyway, <laughs> Google. Tart cherry, organic tart cherry juice is apparently helps you sleep. It's uh -huh. mostly does something like the same thing that you get from turkey, but without the turkey. Turkey and then you sleep. Uh, people are out there taping their mouth shut to help with their nose breathing, which makes them. <laughs> we should do Jim's performance enhancing. Oh, I have, this diet is delicious. Just getting started. We'll have to wait for another podcast. We're almost done here. We're pushing through right at the end. Just All a right. couple more questions. Uh, are you riding clipless or flat pedals when you do this uh, weird Canadian adventure? Clipless. Yeah, what, you, we got some amazing forty-five North boots, and these things. We had the electrician over the house because we had some light fixture that had some thing going on with it yeah. that was far exceeded my capacity as an electrician. Um, which is not to say much about my electrician skills, but he's he finished up with a job and he's looking in the box. He's like, "What the? Those are the coolest snowboard boots I've ever seen." And I was like, "Those are cycling shoes, friend." So yeah. forty-five North makes some uh, polar specific. I mean, these boots are, are they also, is it walking. 45 North, the same people that are making your, your handlebar glovey thingamabobbers? Those things are a, called pogies. Pogies. Is that a smaller company from New England no, or something? Pogies are, it's like saying mitten. Pogies what is call them what do we call them? handlebars. We, we called them something else when I was a kid. They've been around forever because it was an Iditarod thing. Really? This, yeah, oh yeah. You, the, the companies, there's been a couple of companies that are making these. Uh, yeah, you, mount the, you mount the mitten actually to your flat bars and then your hand slides in there and yeah. it's like the glory. It's the most glorious thing ever. Yeah, it's like I ride them. I ride them in uh, in Northern California when it drops below 75 <laughs> exactly. degrees. Throw your toe warmers on. Yes, exactly. Uh, we already hit on your favorite amateur domestic race, which is the one there. GMSR. GMSR. Uh, Google it. It's the shizzle. Uh, and then uh, the last question from the readers. What is your favorite post-ride meal? Anything Matt Acarino makes. <laughs> well God. said. Mission what Star Chef cooking for us. That was unbelievable. Amazing segue. So, yes, anything that Chef Matt Acarino is going to cook up is outstanding. Like today... Mid-ride snack amid a 120-mile race ride, sorry. <laughs> Instead of eating, like, I don't know, popcorn or trail mix or bars or whatever the heck you might expect, we had polenta with meatballs and, and arugula salad. Arugula salad. Nothing and then some kind like of unbelievable cookie that he... Oh, uh, I, mean, I think yeah, I ate, I ate cookies today. I don't even know what it was. It, wasn't, it was like nothing I'd ever had before. Matt Acarino, 
unbelievable bike rider, super mm -hmm. strong bike rider, mm -hmm. and an unbelievable chef, Michelin star chef. His, SPQR. We, we ate at his restaurant, SPQR. If you're ever in San Francisco, I cannot recommend it enough. As an, as not only was the food amazing, but the experience was great. The wait staff was good, and Matt, <laughs> Matt being the yes, they were, they and were he very is, patient with us, and he is not a very nice man, but he is a he is a <laughs> he is a sweetheart at He's the a same man of time. Many words. It's very very confusing to me. His his smile is. Uh, terrifying uh okay so as we wrap this up i think that the in the who is ted king uh -huh. the, you've been married now just over a year right you're in uh, get the number right months. ted oh ted that's a fail well what am i supposed to say it's not like a child well, just like, say my the child date. is you just say the date. we got old. married in blah blah november of 2017 november 2017 in 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 denver in boulder, boulder of all things which is weird because you didn't move to boulder or you were living in san francisco but it was it was a good geographical center point and i was Boris there i mean Coast. it was there was it was a very it was a very tight-knit and uh small oh, did i tell you that i i framed that photo oh I, we sent you the photo sent me the photo jim uh, for a i luckily a life-size portrait of us sheer anger made 10 or 15 pictures at Ted's wedding. They had an official photographer, a super talented guy, <laughs> and uh, I tried to elbow him out of the way and it didn't work out that well for me. He did an unbelievable job of photographing the wedding, but I, I needed to put my stamp on it because yeah. that's from being so many years as a photographer. Now, in order to make it official, I made some nice pictures. You can find them on Ted's Instagram feed, but I... Uh, I made the most obnoxiously large print I could afford so that he would be forced to hang it in his house in Vermont. And they did. And Framed uh, it up real nice. And it turns it out it wasn't even that big, yeah. sadly. It doesn't look that big on well, the mantle. So. It, it looks amazing. Anyway, so, you you, you know, you, you go from your bachelor lifestyle where you're, you know, whatever, whatever a professional cyclist does as a single guy in Europe, I don't really want to know. <laughs> Uh, I'm sure it was, I'm we sure, it, I'm sure it would make your mom blush, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. podium girls and all the like, whatever that, whatever's going on there. And then you come home to, to, you come home to, to the States and you, you move to California and immediately fall head over heels for, well, man, great timing. I retire from bike racing on a Friday. I drive up to California on a Saturday. The very next day I start the coast ride, which be exactly three years ago. Three years ago. Three years ago. Exactly three years ago this weekend. Got through the coast ride, um, was hanging out the next weekend, and I met this this young lady named Laura Spencer, and we have been inseparable ever since. So, Laura, a lovely woman, mm -hmm. um, her nickname is the Smiling Assassin. She's, she's an athlete in her own right, uh -huh. which seems ideal. Uh-huh. But yeah. having dated, having married an athlete myself who was doing triathlons when we got married, I can say it, it's not nearly as I, uh, how does that? Well, okay. Let me qualify that. It's interesting because I explained that I, I struck gold by finding Laura because she's not a cyclist, which she takes umbrage with rightfully so. So in my mind, a cyclist is a person who starves themselves, trains way too much doesn't take days off and is on some crazy travel schedule because they are chasing the professional dream. Laura, meanwhile, has the, the physiological engine to do that. She's gone to, you know, USAC, uh, talent ID camps. And she's like, this is super fun, but it's not nearly as fun as, as one might think it is. And so I'm going to set up shop and become a professional in my own right off the bike. So she's established in 
Uh, first, she worked in finance for a while, and then she worked in the sports nutrition industry, which is very handy when I have uh, questions with Untapped because I can be like, hey, what should we do in so-and-so situation? Meanwhile, it also means on any given Saturday or Tuesday or Wednesday or Thursday or Friday or whatever day, it's like, hey, hon, I'm going to go ride my bike. You want to go ride a bike? You want to go recreate? You want to have fun together? You want to go on vacation together, which largely stems around the bike because riding a bike is super fun. It's handy having a, a super fit bike racing wife, riding wife, yeah, occasional racer. And then she drops into the gravel races and stuff and has a ripping time. She's fast. And the thing is, is, you know, she identifies as being fast, but not necessarily as being someone who wants to toe up at the line. Is that true? What does toe up at the line you mean? You know, race. She's not, she's, not looking, she's not looking to get out the Folsom to do the weekend crit. Correct. She will certainly not race crits because as just not well she would also given the rules of of usac cycling and the uci and so on and so forth like she would have to start as a cat five right and so you need four starts to move up and yeah, you know, yeah. And blah, whereas blah. mass start races are fun as heck and then yeah because she shows up at she didn't come to grandura yeah but she, we we, but we shared second place she's done that yeah nice. did grandura uh the, vermont the overall pyrenees she yeah built. cool so, uh, not only is she fast, but I mean, this is, uh, people are always saying, oh, that Teddy's so smart, but it turns out she's smarter than you. I mean, is that yeah. a difficult thing to, to know that your wife is? We I mean, get by. I mean, we don't bring it up in, in everyday conversation, but she's a far superior person to me in every way, including intelligence. <laughs> Does she remind you of that on occasion? In a, no. No, she's very good. I remind her. She's smart enough to know that she shouldn't tell you that she's smarter than you. Like, I'm just saying, she helps you with the marketing in Untapped. Uh -huh. You have some crazy-ass idea. Because, you know, you're like, wow, you occasionally get some kind of wild, crazy idea, which is horrible in some cases. <laughs> and then somehow Laura's got to explain to you, or at least move she, you she in a direction where it's... back to reality. I mean... Well, largely it's like, here's my crappy basic idea. And she'll be like, okay, let's scale it up a, a handful of steps. And here's here's how you uh, uh, roll it out in a feasible manner. And boom, it's like, oh, that makes a lot of sense. It's like, you've done this for a career. Which is why we're here on the podcast, I, I assume, because this was definitely not your idea, right? This was all Laura, Laura's <laughs> totally. idea. The pod, the video series. Yeah, she's, she's many steps ahead of me and many months ahead of me in, in these ideas. However... Laura also has a great hunger for food. And not to make this a very abrupt ending, but it's dinner time. All right. Uh, let's eat. Let's eat food. Uh, thank you, everybody. I hope you enjoyed that. Uh, questions with Ted King. Quite enlightening for me, even. And yes, he's still not nearly as nice as his mother. <laughs> Thanks, Jimmy. Hello again. A quick final outro from me. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with... Uh, well, with me, with Ted King. I want to thank Jim Merrithew very much for taking the time for thinking this interview, the interviewer idea up, and of course for hosting the pod with those hard-hitting questions. And thanks go out to our listeners, you folks who thought up and sent in those questions in the final lightning round of the pod. And lastly, I want to thank Strava once again for presenting today's King of the Ride episode. They are very fun people over there doing very cool things at Strava. And they get a nod for telling stories of everyday athletes doing things just a little bit differently in their new podcast, Athletes Unfiltered. I've been listening along in their first season here. These are inspiring stories from the Strava community told by the runners and cyclists themselves who live them. Better yet, I'm lucky enough to know a few of the guests and they are definitely telling stories worth capturing, worth echoing out to the world. 
check out that podcast on any major podcast hosting site as well as blog.strava.com slash podcast. That is it for me on today's episode, folks. Ted King saying until next time, please enjoy the ride. <laughs>